2: From the
0: friendly confines of Peak North, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. Thanking you for making us a part of your day. Coming up on this episode of Locked On Thunder, we'll tell you how Chris Paul can ultimately help Billy Donovan have his best season and most enjoyable season as head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll also tell you how the NBA, inadvertently in their efforts to help small markets, may have destroyed dynasties. And finally, we'll talk about Nike, how they are dangerously close to pushing the NBA into the NFL realm, which is, remember what? The No Fun League. So we got all that coming up on today's show. My name is Eric G. I am the editor-in-chief of Thunder Maven, which is a basketball channel, or it's a Thunder channel a channel part of the Maven Network is what I should say, which is a Sports Illustrated channel dedicated to covering the Oklahoma City Thunder and giving you the latest news, opinions, and analysis. So check that out at basketballmaven.io thunder. I am also Pat Jones' co-host on 97.1 The Sports Animal, and I would appreciate it if you would tune in and check us out every day from 11 to 2, either via the Sports Animal app Online at sportsanimalradio.com or uh, just tune to 97.1 if you're in the Tulsa area. So thank you for all of for all that. Glad we got that out of the way. Let's get on to the big content here on the Locked on Thunder podcast. This will be the most enjoyable and probably best year Billy Donovan has ever had as head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, why would I say that? especially since Russell Westbrook's been traded away, especially since Paul George is traded away. How could this season, one, be his best when the Thunder may not even make the playoffs? And two, how could it possibly be enjoyable? Well, go to Brett Dawson's article, which we have posted at Thunder Maven and was originally written in The Athletic. And there are three former Billy Donovan assistants that were interviewed for this article. John Pelfrey, who's now the head coach at Tennessee Tech, which was an assistant with Billy at Florida. Uh, Rob Lanier, who's the head coach at Georgia State, he was a Florida assistant. And then there's Matt McCall, who was a GA under Billy Donovan at Florida, which means graduate assistant if you're not familiar with the college basketball lingo. And uh, he is now the head coach at UMass. So you've got all these guys who are head coaches, all these guys who have been under Billy Donovan, who can offer some insight into the way that this guy thinks. And what really stuck out to me was something Matt McCall said, and this is where it started all the pieces of the puzzle started coming together. Matt McCall said during his time at Florida, the one thing Billy Donovan valued more than anything else was ball movement. He wanted to see players cutting. He wanted to see guys moving without the ball, working to get open. He wanted to see a point guard being able to run the offense and put guys in position where they could make buckets, especially for those that couldn't create their own shot. And let's think about what Billy Donovan has had to deal with now for the last five seasons as Oklahoma City Thunder head coach. He's had to deal with Russell Westbrook, For all five of those seasons, he had Kevin Durant to deal with. Eventually, he had Paul George and Carmelo Anthony to deal with. And and it's no secret when I say that the ball had a tendency to get a little sticky for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And while Billy Donovan, and I think it was Matt McCall who said this, while he marveled at Russell Westbrook's work ethic, you can in no way, shape, or form tell me that Billy Donovan necessarily enjoyed coaching Russell Westbrook because Russell Westbrook was pretty much against everything that Billy Donovan stood for, at least as a college coach. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't get along with a guy. It doesn't mean you can't like him and you have a good relationship and ultimately you appreciate what he does on the floor. But when you, the coach, are thinking that you have a better way to win and you've got this guy like Russell Westbrook who is going to go out and lead the NBA in assists and could in fact maybe be the all-time assist leader by the time he retires if he would just play a little bit more traditional, there's no way as a coach you're enjoying that. Maybe you're winning, but you are walking away from every single year thinking you could have been better than what you are if this guy would just listen to me if this guy would run the offense. And and that's Billy Donovan didn't have that. Now he's got an opportunity with that with Chris Paul. Also, go hand-in-hand with this in the same article. It was mentioned that Chris Paul did not necessarily like playing with James Harden because James Harden was so ball-dominant. Chris Paul's a guy that wants to see a lot of ball movement. So now you've got these two guys that seem to share the same philosophy of what an offense is supposed to look like on the floor, especially in half court. And now they can work together on trying to actually make that vision happen. And while I still will tell you that it is in the Thunder's best interest to get rid of Chris Paul sooner rather than later, if for no reason to get out from under the salary cap, You now can kind of take advantage of what Chris Paul brings to this team where if he is on the same page with Billy Donovan, all these young guys that Sam Presti has just acquired, especially Shea Gilgis Alexander, if they see that Billy Donovan and Chris Paul are on the same page and they see success with that and they see that you're competing in games and you're never out of an and and you always have an opportunity to win and you're fighting it out for a playoff spot then those guys will, by osmosis or at least by Chris Paul's example, feel that Billy Donovan knows what he's doing. And Billy Donovan may ultimately have a team that is going to actually listen to him this year. And whether the Thunder make the playoffs or not, as a coach, that is ultimately what you want, is a team that will listen to you and do what you say. And because of that, you might have Billy Donovan look at Sam Presti and say, hey, give me a few more years with these guys. I think we've got something. And Sam Presti may say, hey, I'm going to give you a few more years because I think we've got something. The the other thing that, that really stuck out to me in this, and there were several things in, in this article that I think were um, were definitely interesting, and John Pelfrey, the former assistant at Florida, who is now the Tennessee Tech head coach, said that Billy Donovan is not really motivated by whether or not he thinks he can prove people wrong. That's not what that's not what motivates Billy Donovan. So if you criticize Billy Donovan and you say that he's a bad coach, he will blow that off. He's just motivated by the challenge. He's motivated by essentially things within himself that make him want to go out and do this job every day. And that's another reason why I think that this is going to be enjoyable for him because when you're not motivated, when when you're dealing with Russell Westbrook, again, this all kind of comes back to Russell. And Russell's that guy that plays with a major chip on his shoulder. And and while that has worked out to Russell's advantage in some respects, I think eventually it wears you down. You get tired emotionally. And you can only feed off negative energy for so long. You have to find something positive. You have to find some different way of challenging you And Billy Donovan doesn't seem to be motivated by false things. He doesn't seem to be motivated by making things up. And having to deal with a personality like Russell Westbrook has to be absolutely exhausting. And hopefully you've got a lot of guys on the Thunder who are not necessarily motivated by proving people wrong, but motivated because they love the sport of basketball. They want to go out. They want to play. They want to make the playoffs. And this isn't necessarily about being able to tell somebody who was on NBA TV or ESPN, hey, look, we did it. And eventually when teams do that and do the whole everyone's against this," that gets old. And Golden State plays that up. The Patriots play that up to a large extent. I'm not sure it would be very becoming for the Oklahoma City Thunder to play that up, even though they could. And even though they wouldn't would ultimately be justified in doing so, That's really not what I want to see from them this season. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. Coming up next, we'll tell you how the NBA in its efforts to help small markets inadvertently ended up destroying dynasties. It's all right here on the Locked on Thunder podcast.
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama.
0: Thank you for listening to the Locked On Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Eric G. I appreciate you uh, for for listening to us and making us a part of your day. And the NBA, in their efforts to help small markets with things like the luxury tax, which is, in a way, supposed to discourage owners from spending too many too much money on players, um, with giving the five-year Supermax... Making it so that only the original team you're on or the current team you're on can pay you more than the team that you're going to. With all that, with everything the NBA did, what they really did is they went out and destroyed dynasties. They didn't mean to, but they inadvertently did. And you're asking, well, why would you say that? Okay, we just saw Golden State make this run, we just saw Cleveland. Well, heck, we didn't see Cleveland. We saw LeBron make a run. But we just uh, originally, we saw the Warriors. You know, we saw the Warriors go, go to a whole bunch of championships. We saw them win three championships. Two with KD, one without. That's a dynasty. Why would you say they're over? Well, if you paid attention to what happened in the association this summer, notice there was never an opportunity, really, for three superstars to hook up. There were opportunities for two superstars to hook up on several teams, but never an opportunity for three. One, I will say that that is better for the NBA because, at least for talk, when you're at the water cooler or you're at the bar, you can debate who has the best big two right now. I mean, and if you want to throw Golden State into that mix, look, between the Lakers, between what you've got with the Clippers and what's going on with um. Portland and Utah so what I mean there is an actual debate to be had and it's not a matter of somebody just making an argument so they're not saying Golden State maybe it's a well-thought-out argument but ultimately in the back of everyone's mind we know hey Golden State is the best team in the NBA so we'll say it's better best for the NBA but how all this happened is NBA owners realized and, and A lot of it had to do with the way that Toronto went about winning this year, which was kind of a big one and a bunch of role players. And that's what I've kind of always said that you needed was one superstar and a bunch of guys that knew what their role was and went out and executed that role to perfection. And that would ultimately build a team. A team that you saw in the vein of the teams that I watched growing up, whether it was the Celtics, whether it was the Lakers or the Pistons, Yeah, every one of those teams had a big three, or I guess in the Pistons' case, it was probably a big two. But they were a cohesive unit because they knew who the superstars were, and they knew how to get their job done on the floor. So now if you bring two of these guys in, um, you're obviously going to be saving yourself a little salary by not having the third. You build up your assets. You turn these guys into role players, and for a couple of years, you can go out and you can make a run. And when those guys get paid, unfortunately, you've got to go out and you've got to sacrifice depth and get rid of them and bring in guys on the cheap. Or you can still go the route of trying to get that third superstar and trade some of those assets. But if you do that, the team becomes expensive, and the fans are going to want you to keep those superstars. And you as an owner may not be able to do it for more than a season, two if you're lucky, and eventually you're going to back away. And the cause and effect of that essentially means that we're not going to see teams stay together near as long as we used to. Guys are going to figure out ways to team up with each other, make it work for as long as they can, and then it's going to disappear. And I would think that if you could get a run of going to three straight finals and winning a couple of championships after that, That might be the closest we see to a dynasty in the near future of the NBA. In fact, Golden State may be the last dynasty we see, depending on how cheap owners want to be over these next few years. And you even saw it with, with Oklahoma City. Yeah, they went out and got Paul George. Yeah, they went out and got Carmelo Anthony. And for as much as we talk about the James Harden trade and some of the other significant moves that Sam Presti made, what happened the year before last, two years ago here in Oklahoma City, is that in getting a guy like Carmelo Anthony, you gave up Ennis Canner. And and I don't think there's anybody in the NBA right now that wouldn't rather have Ennis Canner on their team than Carmelo Anthony because Canner produces. He's added a dimension to his game where he can go out from beyond the arc and he can still be that throwback too and he can play better defense. In fact, I think there's a lot of Oklahoma City Thunder fans that would say... Ennis Canner has developed into a better player than Steven Adams, but you could have potentially kept Innis Canner. You could have kept Victor Oladipo. You already had him signed. He wasn't on the max. And you could have kept Demonis Sabonis. But instead, you gave all that up for a couple of superstars. And all it got you was the same result you got with those other guys, which is getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs. And had you let Ennis Caner stick around and Victor Oladipo and Damana Sabotis hang around and let that team mature, eventually, yeah, they would have had to b- broken up, but you could have kept them together longer with Russ because it wouldn't have costed you as much. And unfortunately, the Thunder fell into the, the trap that, that I think a lot of football players fall into when they talk about basketball. And, and that is the football player's mentality is, if somebody else is doing it, we need to do it too because automatically that will make us successful. And I've never bought into that. You have to do what makes you successful, not what someone else is doing, which is always the way that Sam Presti operated. But he fell into that trap of, oh, they're doing it, so why don't we do it? Because now we'll have a chance to go out and win a championship. And really, I don't think it was Sam Presti so much as I think it was Thunder fans wanting him to do that. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. We'll wrap things up talking about how Nike is getting dangerously close to making the NBA the no-fun league. It's all right here on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, your team every day brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network.
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Wrapping it up on this episode of the Locked On Thunder podcast, I read today that The NBA is going to do away with what I call the samurai headbands. They refer to them as the ninja headbands. I'm just more comfortable saying the word samurai. And I'm disappointed because, one, I thought it was kind of a cool look, especially for a guy like Jared Allen. I loved samurai Jared Allen. And Russ was going to wear one of these headbands. If you don't know the ones I'm talking about, just Google samurai headband NBA or ninja headband NBA and it's those ones that wrapped around and, and tied in the back that look like karate, that look like dudes would wear in a karate movie from the 70s. Well, the reason the NBA is going to ban them is because Nike doesn't want them around. And the only reason Nike doesn't want these headbands around is because Nike has their own headbands they supply to the NBA. So they want the players wearing that for marketing. And let's think about Nike for a second. Not only are you going to take a product, away from players that they seem to enjoy wearing and think they look cool wearing, which is part of the selling point of the NBA, which is to kind of look cool. I mean, with with, with your with the way you dress, your shoes, everything else, you're looking cool because it's a forward-thinking, younger-leaning league. You're trying to take that away from the NBA simply because of marketing. But not only have you done that, you are the same guys that wouldn't allow LeBron James to give 23 to Anthony Davis because you had so much money tied up in LeBron James. You're the same guys that are looking at Kawhi Leonard's claw, which the only reason that claw is popular is because of Kawhi Leonard, not because of Nike. You don't want him to take it to New Balance because, hey, it, it, it it's your property. It's your marketing. Well, nobody's buying that for the swoosh. People are buying that for the claw. In fact, the only reason people do buy the swoosh is I mean, can we be completely honest about this, is because of Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan was just some dude, Nike isn't nearly what it's worth today. If Michael Jordan wasn't the guy that won six straight championships and the most dominant player in NBA history, nobody would have cared what shoes he wore. Yes, you marketed him. Yes, I've often said that I feel like Michael Jordan was created, not necessarily born that he was just some sort of creation from Nike that, <laughs> that wasn't necessarily real. But the, but the truth of the matter is, he made that brand. Nobody else did. And Nike has forgotten that. Nike has forgotten that it's the players that wear their gear that ultimately sell it versus the gear itself. Yes, you have to make a good product. But no 17-year-old basketball player who's out there on the floor wants a pair of nikes they want specific jordans they want specific shoes tied to a specific player and without them you have nothing and that's something nike needs to remember that's what the nba needs to remember and if you're so caught up and i think i've already said it before make the headbands yourself if you don't like the headbands make some yourself put the nike label on them and guys will still wear them but this is it's ridiculous it's disappointing And I hope that both Nike and the NBA ultimately rethink this decision because if you take Samurai Jared Allen away from me this season, it's just not going to be as much fun. This wraps up the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday. And until then, may God bless you and your family. Everybody love everybody. And, of course, peace, love, and thunder. You
2: are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team,